church. I've been excited to, uh, to, 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 to do this. Uh, the good news is, I, it's been several months since I've preached and I, I feel like I've got a lot in me. The double good news is that we should get out right before dinner. Alright? So, no fear. We're here. We're good. I hope you ate a big breakfast. So, when Tim said, hey, uh, November 4th and what, ser- what, what series we're gonna be in, well, I, we're going to kind of be in between series, so you can do whatever you want. Oh, good. So you've narrowed it down to the 66 books of the Bible. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, and so as I kind of was praying through this, where we've been as a, as a church and in the series that we've been in as a church and, and kind of where we've been as a family and what's going on and, uh, actually speaking, uh, thing that I've got next week and some of what's coming up there as well. Uh, I decided to kind of come at it from a, from a of, uh, viewpoint of uh, a family on mission, family on mission, especially the nuclear family. But I think there's going to be uh, application for everybody here. And in our in our society, really, I think our number one mission that we've made as families is perfection. Is perfection. Newsflash. And Jason's already kind of hinted at this, like our family's not perfect. It's not perfect. Like, you know, Pigpen from the Peanuts, you know, Pigpen, just this, this, this dirt just always flowing around him. As Jason's already kind of said, like, we don't have dirt. I mean, I guess you could say four boys, we got dirt all kind of all flowing around us, but we got chaos just all kind of flowing around us. Like it's just this constant chaos that's, that's around us with, with four boys. Like we're imperfect. But we have this, this culture that demands perfection. And we, we, we say, be perfect like I'm perfect. That's how you find perfection is if you're perfect like I'm perfect. As we see this week, just on Tuesday... You're perfect how I vote. Right? That's how we define perfection. And then we've created social media around this and then allowed ourselves to show perfection to the world through social media. See, I've already talked about the chaos that is our family. Uh, Nicole and I, we've been married for about 17 and a half years. Yes, I know. We were married at four and two. We're too young to be married for that long. Betrothal is awesome, right? And we've been married, and it's imperfect. Like, you, you take a look at those chick flicks that you love to watch. You're like, man, I would love to have a marriage like this. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, I was, as a youth minister, we were at a coffee shop, and there was this, this picture, this black and white picture of a guy bending over a girl and kissing, and I told the teenagers, it's not like that, guys. It's not like that. No, it's imperfect. The marriage isn't going to hold up to the chick flicks that you watch. And then 12 years ago, we became became parents for the first time. And boy, it really got imperfect then. Right, Elijah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 10 years ago, we had our second son, Josiah. And then eight years ago, we had our third son, Noah. And then, boy, we really got imperfect then. And then Isaiah, our fifth son. And we're just, or forced on, yeah, sorry, yeah. I don't even have to take off my shoes and socks for that and got it wrong. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you backing me up there. 
And see, our family, like maybe you can get 100% Facebook perfect picture. Our family can even get 100%. The best that we can do is about 80. Jason, show him our 80% picture. Like, it's about as good as we can do. And even if you have a 100% picture, it takes getting the 2% picture out of the way to get to the 80% picture. Imperfection. But we have a society that demands perfection. Perfection is a lousy mission. It's demanding, it's tiring, exhausting. It's a lousy mission. This morning we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6. And so the verses will be up on the screen like normal. Something that's new that I, I, I do with sermons is I put an event in the Bible app, the Version Bible app. So if you have a phone um, or a, 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 a tablet, you can get that out. You tap more and then find events and then real life. Uh, it'll use your location to find real life or you can search uh, real life church uh, and family on mission because there's several real life churches out there, especially across America. But hey, if you like paper as well, you can find Deuteronomy in a paper-bound Bible as, as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This section of verses for the Old Testament is kind of like John 3.16 for Baptists. Like, this was for Israelites the section of verses. And we see how we can go on mission as a family through these set of verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. See, Deuteronomy chapter 5 was Moses restating the Ten Commandments. And they're about ready to enter the promised land. And Moses is laying the foundation for the next generation of going, this is how you are to follow God. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. The first thing to be on mission as a families that we've got to find and follow Jesus for eternal life. You're like, wait a minute, Jesus wasn't in that passage, and I don't see eternal life in that passage anyway. And if you're newer to church, or if you're just coming back to church, maybe you're saying, look, all of those rules, all of those commands that you just read about, that's why I've stayed away. That's why I walked away. I was tired of it all. But that's not what the Ten Commandments were. God had already established His love and His salvation and His rescue to His people. He had brought them out of the, 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 the slavery that they were in in Egypt. And He had saved them and rescued them and proved His love and proved His fatherly love to them. And He said, I am going to put you in this promised land that you did not make. And it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. And if you follow me, if you find and follow me, I'm going to lead you right into the commands. And when you're following me in the commands, you will see that the land will produce for you. In the Old Testament, God promised physical production as eternal life. 
During the prophets, God started transitioning that to a spiritual promise. And then full-fledged, when Jesus showed up on the scene, John 3.16, right? If you follow me, if you believe in me, you will not perish, but you will find eternal life. Eternal life is not just about when you die, you get to live forever. Eternal life is an offer for you right here and right now. It is a vitality of the soul. It is a living water that will never run dry. And if you find and follow Jesus, he will lead you smack dab into his commands. He's not going to lead you away from his commands. And you're going to find the eternal life, the vitality in in, in your soul that he wants to give you that will never run out. That's what he gives. See, finding and following isn't always easy. Just as we sang about in that last song, kind of hits right at there at the end. That doesn't mean it's all going to be hunky-dory and happy. See, some people have hijacked this, these verses in, in our time period and say it's always going to be awesome and up and to the right. It is not. Earlier this year, uh, family experienced, man, a massive change. God, God kind of laid in front of us an opportunity to buy a business that we'd kind of been looking at for a while. And if the opportunity uh, came up again to buy it, we wanted to, and we did. And then at that same time, God moved us away from the church that we were at for six years and pastor of for six years. And it's been a difficult year. Maybe you can relate. Finding and following Jesus doesn't mean it's always going to be up and to the right. There are times he takes us to the valley of the shadow of death. But you know what? My God is still with me. Sometimes he leads us into times of abundance. And there are times that he leads us through the shadow of the valley of death with abundance. We've got to know the difference. We find and follow Jesus for eternal life in order to be on mission. But then God doubles down on this. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord, or the Lord alone. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Look, God alone gives life. God alone gives life. And this, it is doubling down on the first thought. But, but God has to make sure we get it because we can be hard-headed and stubborn sometimes. And see what Moses is doing and what God is doing through Moses is saying, look, the, 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 the gods of the land that you left, the, 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 the land that you left, the e- Egyptian land of, that you left and the gods there, they do not give life. And the, and the gods in the, in the, in the, in the Canaanite land that you're going to and that you're going to take over, those gods don't give life. I alone give you life. I am the originator. I am the author. I am the source of life, not just biological life but zoe life the life of the vitality of of your soul i breathe into your soul my life and i alone give it you might be sitting there going i'm good i've got no idols on my mantle no wood no stone no gold no carved images we're much beyond that today right Maybe you do have some mantles on your idol or on your mantle. Maybe you have some idols on your mantle. Let me get the right emphasis on the right syllable there. Maybe you need to be introduced to these idols because we haven't considered them an idol. 
kids and our family. There's an Old Testament guy that struggled with this. His name was Eli. He was a priest. And his sons, Phineas and Ferb, I'm sorry, old habits die hard. Phineas and Hophni, four boys. I mean, Phineas and Ferb watched a couple of times. They were acting in the role of priests as well. But they were not priestly. See, in the tabernacle structure, when people brought their tithes and when people brought their sacrifices to the tabernacle, the priest, that is how uh, they sustained their family. They got to take some of the tithes home. They got to take some of the meat from the sacrifices home. That's how they sustained their family. But, but, but Phineas and Hophni, they would take the meat whenever and however they wanted to. They didn't care about how God did it. And then there were some young ladies in the tabernacle that helped serve the tabernacle, but they would take advantage of them as well. But priest daddy, Eli, was like, uh, you boys, you got to stop that. But he wouldn't go any farther. And a prophet came up to Eli one day and had the message of the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, 29. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people, Israel. Some translations go even even uh, uh, stronger than, than why do you give your sons more honor than me? They say It says, you have honored your sons above me. I hope that's haunting, quite frankly. Because when we set up our family, when we set up our kids as idols, that is a pressure they cannot withstand. And they do not give life. God's saying, God, I alone give life. Your kids, your family, no other God will give life. See, what we do with idols, we think that they give us life and they give life for just a little bit. And it fades away and it goes away. And in our perfection world, in our perfection culture, this is the idol that we're in danger of of having but never, ever recognizing. See, when we teach our kids that the world owes them something, they become an idol because that's what we do with idols. The world owes my kids something. I'm a soccer referee i assign referees locally at the youth leagues and we face this week in week out my little idol is running around the field and he cannot do any wrong he never fouls my little idol is running around the field and when my idol is touched it's got to be a foul i had to talk a guy down yesterday U9, so there's eight-year-old kids. He's screaming at my referee. Screaming. Dude, U9, bro. No college scouts out here. 
But when we make our kids our idols, when we make our family our idol, anything, anything that chinks away at the perfect image that our kids and our family is supposed to have is a threat to our idol and we will come against it. What does that look like? Actually, I got kind of nervous as our family this weekend because we rented... Mario Party, and um, Nicole was playing with uh, Isaiah and Noah, and um, she had the opportunity to take a star away from Noah, and, 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 and the winner of the game has the most stars, and take, she had the opportunity to take one away from Noah, but she didn't. I'm, I've got to pray for her, because she may be making an idol out of her kids, and like, can't touch him, right? And then yesterday, yesterday morning, uh, one, of, one of the ways that I, I do the cinnamon rolls, not homemade cinnamon rolls, but out of a can. You know that can that no matter how ready you are for the pop, you jump as if somebody at that right, at that same exact time has shot a gun in your house, right? Like, you couldn't have a better way of opening a can of cinnamon. Anyway, and then you... It's a circle pan. You put them all around the outside, and then you put the one in the middle. I make sure my boys know, like, you're not the idol of our family. Dad gets the middle cinnamon roll because there's a little extra goo. I mean, Halloween's a perfect time as well, right, to prove. If your kids get to eat all the best candy, they're an idol. you got to be careful. If you're the family or if you're the parent that at the drop-off line, like, your kid has to get out of the car at the sidewalk and not, like, move forward like everybody else does, the kid might be an idol. Having fun at some of the stuff because it can be pretty heavy. But... Are we honoring our kids more than we honor God? That's the definition of an idol. And God alone gives life. God alone gives the vitality of the soul that he intended us for. And we go and we find idols in order to fill that void that is in our soul. And it will never, ever hold up. And, the, and the, uh, the shoulders of our kids cannot bear the burden of being an idol. And we're seeing it all over the place. Our kids are more stressed out than ever. Why? Because of the demands that we place on their shoulders because there are idols. Give it up, parents. Jesus lived the perfect life. So that even though we cannot, he will still give us life. Life inside of our soul. And when we are finding and following Jesus, we recognize that our kids will never be perfect. What happens if it goes off the rails? How do you react? Is it the end of the world? Your son, your daughter... Getting into sin, it's not the end of the world, because we all do. Your son, your daughter, rejecting the eternal life of Jesus, that's the end of the world. 
Yes, we got to be perfect to get into God's kingdom. But God doesn't expect us to be perfect. That's why his son lived the perfect life as God in flesh and went to the cross to die. Because he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knew we can't. And when we're finding and following Jesus, repentance is finding and following him. It's not going to be perfect. But, but, we can still find eternal life. So once we have it, what do we do with it? Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. The idea of love here is, is a strong desire, even breathing after. In Psalms, we see this, we see this through the verse of, uh, uh, my, as the deer pants for water, my soul pants for you. That we're loving the Lord our God with all of our heart. That's our emotions. All of our soul. That's the vitality, the passion inside of us. And all of our strength. That's the actions. Are we panting after God with all of our emotions, all of our vitality, and all of our strength? But make sure it's all of your heart. All of your strength. All of your soul. Don't put somebody up as as the pedestal. Don't put somebody else up as perfection. You've got to love God with your heart, your soul, and your strength. And not the five years from now you. The you that is sitting there right here and right now. We're all at different areas. And as a community, we can help each other grow. But when we set somebody else up as the perfection... We set ourselves up for failure because that's not our heart. Not the heart that God's given you and the strength that God's given you and the soul that God's given you. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We have to give away the eternal life that God has given us. First and foremost, to our family. But the good news, notice what God didn't say in the scriptures. God did not say, you know what? In order to do this, at minimum, you've got to have a Bible study 30 minutes a day with your family and pray 30 minutes a day with your family. He didn't say that. It is as you go. It is on your way. It's as you rise and when you go to bed. It is when you're sitting in your house and when you're walking along the road or when you're speeding through the driveway at McDonald's on yet to another practice. And what's all this about putting them on your body and putting them on your doorpost and all that? That doesn't mean you have to go get a tattoo with a Bible verse on it. Some of you, that's fine. For those of us that think putting needles into our body is a bad idea... That's the good news. Laying that out there. I don't like pain, so why pay somebody else to give me pain? This is about that we're putting up reminders of eternal life around our house. We could have all the Bible verses we want on the walls of our house, but that doesn't mean that we're passing on eternal life. And we have reminders of eternal life all around us. 
Some of the ways that looks for us as a family, uh, the little booklets that we're going through in some of the small groups. Uh, Elijah, my oldest, and I were sitting down after school because he gets out an hour earlier than the other other boys. We're sitting down and we're going through that. It's not perfect. We missed about three weeks and then we did about three days this past week. It's not perfect. As we can. And then we bought this business because we felt like it would ultimately where God's leading is that it'll help us do mission better through financial resources, primarily, but also the freedom that this business will, will, will give us. And our LLC that we set up is Hope for Seven. We have six people in our family. And we're looking to adopt, yes, a girl, <laughs> internationally. And we were able to bring a, a, a Ukrainian orphan into our home a summer ago, a year and a half ago. And as we go, yeah, he was crazy. Um, he made our boys look calm. Um, but as you go, we're living this out. We're trying to live this out. Like this year, like we bought the business and then boom, stepped away from a job. And like, it's not gone as we thought it would go. But still God has provided. Look, we get into the nitty gritty of every day and the difficulty of every day and it becomes tough, right? We lose the vision. We, we get into the grind so much. I mean, you know, Nicole told me that the boys were at each other so much this morning. Like when she got in the van, like Banshee yell went out and like, stop, right? Like you've been there on the way to church. Perfect families, right? But we're passing along eternal life as we go. And not just to our families, but to those we come in contact with. Our co-workers, Nicole recently uh, started a job at the school that my boys go to and uh, Jeremiah also works at. And, and, and another teacher had a rough day. So she bought her an A&W root beer, right? Just little ways to pass along eternal life to others. Letting your kids also see that. So they know what it's like to serve. That the world does not owe them anything, but rather we owe the world quite a lot because God has given us gifts and talents. He's given us resources. He's given us experiences to serve other people with. The world doesn't owe us anything, but we certainly owe the world a whole lot. And then lastly, We've got to train our kids for a different family. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. At this point in time, the crowd expected Jesus to go, okay, excuse me, I'm going to go talk to my mother and brothers, right? Jesus asked, who is my brother? Who are my, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. At that point, I'm sure that Peter and John started fighting. You're the mama. No, you're the mama. No, you're the mama. And Jesus is like, stop it. <laughs> Holy imagination. All right. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
Then later in Matthew, Matthew 19, 29, and everyone who is taken, who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. If we make kids our idols, these verses are impossible to live out. Because God will be the biggest threat to our kids. And we will never train our kids up for another family. We won't train them up for another nuclear family and we will not train them up for another kingdom family because we are the hundredfold blessing and we are the eternal life. When we refuse to train them up for another family, it's as if we stand between our kid and God and say, no, I am the hundredfold blessing for my kid. No, I am the eternal life, the vitality of my the soul for my kid. And God's like, really? You think? Yeah, we would never say that to God's face. But do we act like it? Because the mission of God isn't pretty. It's not easy. It's pretty gritty. I mean, shoot. Paul described it as, I'm I'm in danger at every turn. I have sleepless nights. I know what it's like to be well-fed and hungry. I even know what it's like to minister clothed and naked. I don't know how you minister clothed or or, naked, but Apostle Paul figured it out. More power to him. But if kids are our idols, that's never going to happen. We'll use church. They'll come to church in order to look good and look perfect and make your family look perfect. But going to the mission of God, not my family. Not my family. We train them up for a different nuclear family because, I mean, shoot, the goal is to let them get a job, preferably, you know, how God has designed them. Get married. Have kids of their own so they're not, they're not living in our basement all the rest of their life. But they are fulfilling the mission of God through their life. No matter if they go to the same church, we have a lot of families in this church together. No matter if they go to the same church or they're halfway across the world and we get to support them from afar. And then as a kingdom family, one of the reasons why we're still here at, at, at real life is because my lands, the my, my boys, like it's all Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. See, number two, bro. Number two, speaking of that, number two, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. And it's all amber, amber, amber. Sorry, Jason, but it's all amber, amber, amber with my boys. Like, But are we training them up for a different family? For a kingdom family? See, lo and behold, research has proven God right yet again. If kids and teenagers have five, six adults who not only know their name, not only glad that they come to a service, but they're investing in these teenagers and kids for them to find and follow Jesus. They are more likely, infinitely more likely to be able to find and follow Jesus after graduation than if they did not have that influence. In fact, five or six adults can overcome a negative parental influence towards Christ. 
Are you investing in the next generation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's spots over there to, to invest in them once a, once a week or once a time, a month or so. But how about those as-you-go moments? Are you investing in kids and teens just through normal church life? That's how this church will live. Passing on that eternal life generationally. Not just as a nuclear family, but as a kingdom family. This is a struggle because we see the perfection that we see all around us or people demanding and showing off perfection. And we're like, ah, my family's not perfect. Like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? When I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I had a little bit to learn about family from Drax. Take a watch. We're family. We're on a mission. And the mission is gritty. The mission is dangerous. The mission is difficult. And there are times that we will fight. And it will be petty fights. There are times that we will fight. And it will be mission critical fights and conversations that we have. But we're not friends. We're family. And we do not leave anyone behind. Don't point at anybody and say, except maybe you, okay? Don't do that. But I haven't defined the mission, have I? I said the mission of God. I haven't defined the mission. As I thought about this, really, we are the guardians of the galaxy. Well, maybe not the galaxy, but the world. We are the hope of the world. We have the eternal life of Christ residing inside of us. And it is on us to be the ambassadors, to be the guardians, to take this message to the world. We stream those far from God to God so that they can find his life. That's our mission. Are you on board with that? As we move forward as a church, it will become clearer and clearer and clearer what that looks like. Are you on board with it? Are you somebody that you came in here, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're like, I want that type of family though. I want that type of life. I realize and I recognize that I have tried my own way to fill this vitality of my soul and it's been like sand running through my fingers. But I'm ready for the life that Jesus gives. All you need to do is cry out to God with your heart over exactly that. We'd love to know. We'd love to walk with you through that. I'd love to talk to you, pray with you, other leaders that, you've, that you know or leaders, somebody that's next to you. But if that's something you've committed to, finding and following Jesus, that's the commitment. You're done. That's... that's how is God speaking to you? Do you have idols to repent of? Do you have a mission that God's knocking on you and your heart? She's saying, no, go away, go away, go away, go away. 
How do you need to respond to God? Because we find the nuclear family is the building block of the church. And the church, all together as the nuclear family, we are the guardians of the galaxy. We find when we're all together, we're actually fighting an infinity war. And we're on the front lines of that battle. Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your eternal life, your infinity life, the vitality of the soul that you give us. I pray, Lord, that there's somebody here that they came in, they were not expecting a sermon like this, but at the same time, there's something that is drawing them to you about this life, that they are ready to give up the search. Let them cry out to you in this moment. I pray, Lord, for the rest of us. That through the struggles, through the battles, through the struggle with our flesh and our heart and wanting to go every which way but your direction, I pray, Lord, that we surrender ourselves to your mission. That we say we want to be on your mission together. And that we will never leave anybody behind. Let that be us. In your name we pray. Amen.